This time on episode 292 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we'll be docking Spider-Man Far From Home. I'm Jay from Gallifrey Public Radio, a Doctor Who podcast and part of the Gunny Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredible geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director SP. And I'm Agent Haley. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Tuesday, July 16, 2019, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast galaxy-wide via www.geeks.live. Come on and join our live chat as we record. Happy National Corn Fritters Day, Haley. Well, maybe I'll celebrate because I haven't had dinner yet. And I have had dinner, but corn fritters sounds good. I might have them tomorrow. (laughs) Do you know what a corn fritter is, Haley? It's a fritter with corn. Good enough for me. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the multiple Marvel small screen series, and the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes in general. Because of Peter Tingle. If you'd like to talk to us about your Peter Tingle, you can catch our contact information on our website at legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail about your Peter Tingle at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844 844- Eight four three two eight seven one. You can leave a message for the ladies about your Peter Tingle on our Facebook page, but you got to keep it kid friendly at Legends of Shield Podcast. If you'd like to tweet us about your Peter Tingle, you can hit us up at Legends of Shield. If you want to leave us a message about your Peter Tingle on YouTube, you can catch our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash geek. You can enable the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill by telling your Amazon device to enable the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can join our Discord server and chat about your Peter Tingle at gunnageek.com discord. And if your Peter Tingle lasts longer than four hours, make sure to consult a doctor. But remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. All right, so Agent Michelle had a prior commitment, so she could not be with us today. We kind of knew that going into this, but what we found out today is that Agent Lauren is recovering from a drone holograph attack, so she cannot be with us today, but she wanted to be, so we might be hearing about her views of the Spider-Man Far From Home in a future episode. In the meantime... I just said it, Spider-Man Far From Home, that's the main topic for this time. Let's go ahead and get it on. We're talking Spider-Man Far From Home today. It had its USA debut on July 2nd, 2019, kind of out of the ordinary. It was a Tuesday. It is rated PG-13, had a runtime of two hours and nine minutes. At the time of this recording, I checked Box Office Mojo. The film has produced $280.1 million in the domestic ticket sales in the United States and 
569.9 million dollars of foreign ticket sales for a total box office number of 850 million dollars and it's still kind of in its prime earning on week three so we expect that to go much higher i don't know if it'll get a billion or not and if it doesn't get a billion we talked about it last episode that there's some rights issues involved so let's just hope it gets to a billion dollars Haley, who directed this movie it was directed by john watts he does not have a lot of directing credit going into this that he would be well known for uh, but his directing credits include uh, some work for the Onion News Network and Onion Sports Dome, along with a bunch of uh, shorts and TV movies. He also directed Spider-Man Homecoming, right? Well, yeah, but prior to that, not a lot. Just the Spider-Man stuff. That's fair. The writing credits are a little bit more cred. You got a little bit more experience there. It was written by two writers. The first was Chris McKenna, who has nine writing credits starting in 2008. Chris did Ant-Man and the Wasp in 2018. He did Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle in 2017. He did Spider-Man Homecoming in 2017. Also did the Lego Batman movie in 2017. He's listed with 10 episodes of Community and 9 episodes of American Dad. Who's the other writer, Haley? Uh, the screenplay was by Eric Summers, who has 15 writing credits starting in 2002, including... Ant-Man and the Wasp, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Spider-Man Homecoming, the Lego Batman movie, one episode of Community, and nine of American Dad. So one would say that Chris and Eric are writing buddies. Writing acquaintances, maybe. Okay, so Chris is written by, the screenplay was by Eric, so they are a team of sorts. And also, Spider-Man is based on the Marvel comics, which were by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. There was no tribute to Stan Lee in this movie. This movie was produced by, well, a ton of producers, including Stan Lee. But the main producers were Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal. Now, Kevin Feige is from Marvel and Disney. Amy is from Sony. And then the other producers, which are listed as executive producers, are Victoria Alonso, Avi Arad, Louis Esposito, Eric Hauserman Carroll, Thomas M. Hamill, and Matt Talmock. So the main cast, of course, starts with Tom Holland. He plays Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Also, Monkey Spider, I believe, is the name. So Tom Holland gets three characters here. Night Monkey. Night Monkey. All right. Samuel L. Jackson reprising his role of Nick Fury. Jake Gyllenhaal played Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio. Marissa Tomei is back as May Parker. John Favreau returned with his role as Happy Hogan. Zendaya playing the character now going by the name of MJ. Jacob Batalon played Ned Leeds. Tony Revolori is Flash Thompson. And Gory Rice played Betty Brant. Rumi Hai played Bad da Brad Davis. Or Bad Davis, one of the two. Martin Starr played Mr. Harrington. J.B. Smoove was Mr. Dell. Jorge or Horde. Uh, how do you pronounce that? The spelling makes me want to say Jorge, but the last name makes me want to say George. So go for it. I'll go with George. So George Lennonborg Jr. played Jason Ionello. Kobe Smolders is back as Maria Hill. J.K. Simmons is back with a big surprise as J. Jonah Jameson. And Don Michelle King did the voice of Edith. Oh, what a great voice indeed. 
looking forward to hearing that in the future. Okay, Spider-Man Far From Home is the title. It's a little bit different than Spider-Man Homecoming. So, Haley, what do we got going with the title? I mean, they're literally far from home, uh, the spider gang is, but also Jake Gyllenhaal's character, you're led to believe, is far from home on a different Earth, even though he's a lying liar that lies, and that's not true. I see. And also, at the end, Nick Fury is very far from home. Nick Fury is indeed far... Well, do we really know that? I mean, it could just all be an illusion. Don't think it is. All right. I mean, Tahiti looked like Tahiti to me. Oh, yes. That part was like a hologram or something. But I I have thoughts on that, but we'll get to that later. Okay. So we got a bunch of people far from home, and it's not in New York. So New York doesn't get destroyed this time around. New York deserves a movie off. Yeah, they get a break. We're going to start with the fights because there was a lot of action in this film, a lot of acrobatics, and I don't know what was CGI and what was Stuntman and and what was actually Tom Holland because dude can move too, but there was a lot of great moves and great fights. There's CGI. It was on the smaller scale. You know, it wasn't on the big adventure scale, but they tried to make it big with the illusion. So I think that was pretty cool. And then uh, Tom Holland was swinging around without his suit out there and that was pretty fun to see him doing that uh so i i don't know Haley. i kind of like the fight it was entertaining yeah all the fights were great what'd you think of the black suit i like it much better than the spider-man 3 black suit the fact that they used a black suit in this though makes me think they're not gonna do the venom storyline interesting especially how they use flash in this movie that's interesting you know, every time Flash came up, I thought of Venom. It's there, right? It's what mm-hmm. Flash is. I don't know. I, I did like the, the action, especially the action in the black suit. When you see Spider-Man in the black suit, he does look a lot more like a, a commando versus mm-hmm. a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yep. Got a different feel to that. Let's move on to what we know of the connections with the MCU, maybe connections specifically with Avengers Endgame. There was some mourning at the start. You know, I thought that was interesting. They fully tied it into the MCU with the student rendition of Gone But Not Forgotten with Captain America, Black Widow, and Tony Stark. What did you think of that? Too soon. I thought it was nice to see that, but I feel like there are a lot of other people that probably died after the snap or in the interim of this snap happening that might also be in an in memoriam so who knows right and may even brought that up with the displaced people from the snap at the the benefit or whatever that they were having the fundraiser and she said that she came into her apartment which was now occupied by a new family i mean that is the level of things that i really didn't uh, think about. I did think about the people that had died in the meantime. I think we talked about that in Endgame, but I hadn't thought about the displacement. So there's a whole bunch of people that are appearing out of nowhere, and just the stories that came from that probably for the first day or two were probably hilarious, and we got a little bit of that. What do you think they did with the giant memorial they had made for all the people lost in the snap? I don't know. I, I think they, they're they still mourning because they were gone, and now they're back, and they they have to find their way back into the whole uh, universe. I mean, you really saw what it did to the classmates, right? Because you had the whole band that 
reappeared during the middle of a basketball game. They showed that. And they also showed the people that were disappearing. That was that cell phone video from the stands, that same gym where you saw the kid. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, just the whole thing. I, I don't think a memorial should be disbanded from that because it, it was so arbitrary. And it's like either you were gone or you stayed. And it was, oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. What would you do if, if you got snapped and you came back five years later? I don't know. It'd be weird. So if you were only interested in the Spider-Man movies and you were only interested in Sony, I think Sony had to do that in order to fully integrate everything with the MCU. Most people that see Spider-Man have seen Endgame, have seen Infinity War, have seen the other Spider-Man appearances in the MCU, but not everybody. So you kind of had to have that reset because this is still a Sony slash Columbia Pictures property. It is not a Disney Marvel property. Well, and that that doesn't matter as much as just there are a lot of people that don't watch all the movies. Like there are people who watch only Guardians of the Galaxy movies and maybe didn't watch Endgame. So I don't think people are as much outside of our hardcore fandom groups that are as much cognizant of, oh, this is Sony. The other ones are Disney. I don't think most people make that distinction. I don't think most people do, but I think some people do. I think some people would have done. It's like this whole CW thing. I think the people that are aware of the distinction are watching all of them and not like, oh, I'm not going to watch that one because it's by Sony Sony Studios. <laughs> well, I mean, the same thing could be said about the crossover over the CW, right? There are some people that only watch one show. So you get to the crossover and they are confused. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't seen like the last eight episodes of any of the CW shows right now. Have you seen the last crossover, though? Yes. That was the one with Batwoman, right? Yeah, that I have. It was only three episodes. Yep. All right. And you are aware that Arrow is ending, right? Yep. Okay. Back to Spider-Man here. Let's talk specifically about Peter Parker himself. And what do you think of Tony Stark's decision to leave Edith and the massive defense system that goes with Edith to this high school kid? I'm not surprised that he did because he was trying to groom Peter to be the next Iron Man. You know, all the things that happened with the snap and then undoing the snap, I think accelerated that timeline. But I think it was always his intention that that's where things were going to go. Like Happy might have had that box for six years by the time he gave it to Peter. So you don't think giving it to Strange or Banner or T'Challa or Shuri or any of the characters other the the grown-up characters hawkeye you don't think that would have been good maria hill no tony didn't trust those people remember iron man starts with tony not trusting anybody and thinking he has to be in complete control of his weapons because he's the only one that can make sure that they're used correctly at the time that the movie takes place he kind of trusts obadiah stane because he's known him for forever but he doesn't trust him with this so he picked the person that he knew was least likely to abuse that power. Peter turned down a more powerful suit before because he didn't want more power. And we've seen that Peter's willing to not be the most powerful person because he wants to do the right thing. So I think that's why Tony chose Peter and Peter has the potential to come up with brilliant ideas the way that Tony did. Okay. So the other thing about Peter Parker is, I don't know if you noticed this, but I noticed a clear aging of Tom Holland. There was definite 
age in him from the previous movies. And I'm thinking it probably was like at least a year, if not two years from when they shot Infinity War and Endgame because they shot those together. He's grown a lot since we've seen him in Civil War. Well, I think he was like 20 when he shot Civil War. So he's what, like 26 now. I have no idea when that was. Yeah, his his skin on his face is definitely showing age. He's still young looking, and so I get that. Mm-hmm. But I went into it, and it caught me a couple of times. I'm like, am I really buying that he's in high school? Okay, well, that's the way it is, so I'm just going to go with it. They might do a time jump into college. Getting snapped is terrible for your skin. Okay. So that's why he looks a little aged. It's, it's the Thanos' skin was kind of wrinkled, so he decided to do that to everybody that was snapped, right? Something, something, gamma radiation. There, I fixed it for you. Okay. Right. Gamma radiation, yeah, that's the worst of all evils, as Nick Fury has mentioned before. So Peter is still in high school, though, so you get all that high school drama. The, the whole, oh, will she like me? Won't she like me? I've got this perfect plan to ask her to prom. In this case, it was just giving her this necklace and telling her what his feelings were and everything. I mean, the kid's been through a lot. I'm thinking in terms of Iron Man 2. Remember Iron Man 2, how totally devastated Tony Stark was? Kind of. So this this was after the attack on New York and then Iron Man 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's... Was that Iron Man 2 or was that 3? No, that was Iron Man 2. And he met the kid that was at the funeral. Iron Man 2 happened before Avengers. I thought it was right after Avengers. Nope. Iron Man 3 was after Avengers. Iron Man 2 was the one where he was up in the donut and then Nick Fury came and talked to him. That was We were the introduced first one. to Black Widow. No, that was the oh, second one. Oh, okay. I'm glad you're here. So, okay. <laughs> it's like Iron Man 3 then. Yeah. Where he is coming back. So that's the mentality of Tony Stark after those momentous events. Tom Holland has just gone through a whole heck of a lot. And he's had to absorb a lot. And now he wants to take care of his personal life. He just wants to be friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And everybody's asking him if he's going to be the next Tony Stark. Are you going to replace Tony Stark? And there was a whole press conference at the fundraiser that was doing that to him. I mean, that's a lot of pressure on a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, remember when we talked, I don't know if I remember even, but when we talked about the first Spider-Man movie, Homecoming, we wondered how they were going to keep him in high school since they weren't going to be able to do a Spider-Man movie every year. It was probably going to be every three or four years. Well, they cheated. They did a snap. So that gets us another year in high school. And then maybe he's only a sophomore now. So if they could get another one out in a couple years, then it's like, oh, senior year. You know, the whole time I was thinking... Michael Keaton made such a tremendous villain, and he's still here, right? So, unless he died in this after, in I, I wonder staff. if you were snapped during a prison sentence, does that like count towards your time? Oh man, there's a whole bunch of look, right? You so his license said he was his twenty whatever, but he was really sixteen. There was that uh-huh. whole moment in the plane uh, with Flash. Like, I know it doesn't make an interesting movie, but there had to be like a whole field of law that developed to deal with snap legal idiosyncrasies. That we haven't seen yet, yeah. Yeah, like I wonder if everybody got issued new IDs that said whether you were snapped or not. I don't think they've had time. I mean, so some states are in the United States right now, for anybody listening in foreign countries, some states are having to bring up their level of identification to a federal level, and they're having to reissue licenses to everybody in the states. It's not done quickly. It's done over the course of years. It's phased in over the course of years. You're talking three to five years. So I didn't think they have time to do that. 
don't know. It's all so weird. And I would think somebody that podcasts on a time travel podcast with Doctor Who, you would be the most apt to actually get your head around what's going on. And yet, I think it just brings up more questions for you. Well, I mean, it's just like, how do you want to deal with it? Like May said, there's somebody else living in her apartment now. So, you know, you have all this stuff like real estate. You have all the things like death benefits have been paid out and life insurance policies and all that kind of thing. Bank accounts. Somebody else has your job now. You know, your partner is remarried. Your kids have been adopted. Like, just a lot of things have happened. And there's a lot of repercussions for that. I don't know if if Kevin Feige has thought that all the way through. I think that's why he's like, and the next phase is in space. This isn't my problem anymore. <laughs> let's get out of here. All right. So let's talk about MJ, who's now being called MJ out and out. So we've got our MJ, not the redheaded MJ, but a different MJ. I'm fine she with it. She was Michelle in the first movie, right? Right. Are you fine with this not being a redheaded MJ? Yeah, I don't care. Okay. Good. Somebody's hair color is not the most important character attribute. No. And if they are, they're a very poorly written character. Well, and this brings up some poor writing in the movie itself. Like MJ's torn between Brad and Peter. And I don't think she really is. Well, I mean, she's having to deal with this whole thing. And she's figured out that Peter is Spider-Man. And she's looking at him from that aspect. And I, she admits to kind of liking him the whole time. But Brad has this bit, he's been this little kid and then he's popped up. He's their age right now. You know, I was talking to Michelle earlier and she said that all MJ had to do was say, I always think of you as the little kid. It brings up the issues of the snap. It brings up the fact that she didn't have to deal with both of their attentions vying back and forth and stuff. I guess we wouldn't have gotten that awkward bathhouse scene. If he was five years younger than them, then he's probably not somebody they really interacted with a lot. Like, how much did you interact with the people that were five years younger than you at your school? Oh, not much at all. Yeah. So he was somebody she might have been aware of. And now it's like being introduced to a new person. So a new person is showing romantic interest in you. Like, what's going on with that? Like, and she didn't really, like, encourage it as much as, like, allow it, if that makes sense. So let's talk about the timeline of this right now. I was led to believe that they had to do the whole school year over again so that they went through a whole year before this Mm -hmm. happens. So they had time to get to know each other over that whole year. I thought they were going to have to repeat the year. Like they came back at the end of the school year and they were going to have to start the next year and maybe that whole year, which actually that would work out well. So if, the first movie takes place when they're freshmen, I think. Was that confirmed or did we just kind of assume that? I think we assumed that. All right. Well, let's say, say it did. So then they'd done part of their sophomore year. They get snapped back and now they're going to have to repeat that sophomore year. I'm just thinking in terms of making movies that gives them time to get another movie in in high school. If oh. they've got three years of high school left. Okay. Just one more. So that the next, yeah, the next movie takes place like at the end of senior year. Well, I certainly hope Michael Keaton comes back as the vulture one last time. I think he might. Like, it, the way they wrote it, it seemed like they intended him to come back and maybe be working with other potential villains. Right. Like, the, the what was it? The League of something? I forget what that group was called. The Sinister Six. Sinister Six. There you go. 
Well, talking about another villain in this movie, Quentin Beck as Mysterio was Jake Gyllenhaal. I think Jake did great. Matter of fact, Jake pulled mm-hmm. me in the whole time. And I kind of knew that he was a bad guy just because of coverage that we had done on this podcast before. But I was like, okay, when's the ball going to drop? When's the ball going to drop? And as soon as Edith was transferred from Peter over to Quentin, I thought, okay, now it is. But it didn't, it, it seemed like it was so sincere and so natural. And then all of a sudden you get the big villain speech. It's like, this is what's happening. That was well done to whoever wrote that. Yeah, because I, I was willing to buy it like, oh, an alt-universe Mysterio that is not evil. Like, sure, okay. And then it turned out to be, yep, it was evil. And then Jake, oh man, I think Jake would have been a few years ago. He would have been a great Spider-Man, but I don't think he's a good Spider-Man now uh, just because of his age, if anything Ooh. else, because Tom had to be so young going into this. Uh, but he was great. And unfortunately, I, we're not going to see him again in the MCU. Well, you know, we could still technically see him in the MCU since this was, well, is this considered an MCU film? Yes. So, yeah, we're not going to see Jake again. Oh, oh well. He can go on to do other great things. Uh, but, yeah, I thought he played it great and he was believable. And he was believable as this nice guy who's believable as the villain. And the transition was great. And then, <laughs> and then at the end in London, like he's like, yes, press the cape. I'm literally going to be meeting with the queen in like two hours. I really need that cape. And then he's also dealing with all these drones and everything. He was, he was a good, you know, bad guy CEO of trying to take care of everything at once. I like that he has like his hero costume that he can put on uh, when he's got to do like formal events. But in regular time, he's just wearing a mocap suit. Because it's easier to move around in. With a big helmet. The big glass. The big fishbowl. Fishbowl, yeah. So Aunt May, let's talk about Aunt May. She knows that Peter is Spider-Man. And Marissa Tomei plays the best Aunt May. I mean, it was a great casting choice. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, because usually you have the feeble old Aunt May. And there's only so much you can do with that. This is like a very different Aunt May than we've ever seen before. So that's what makes it fun. And now that Tony's gone and the relationship with Tony, I wasn't buying all the time anyway, because he had the relationship with Pepper going on, but the happy Hogan relationship with Aunt May, you think that's going to last? Cause they were at the end, they were kind of like, eh, I don't know. She seemed like, oh, this is just kind of a fun thing for now until something else comes along. I always assumed Tony was doing it just to bug Peter. I don't think happy was doing it to bug Peter. I think. No, no. Happy is like smitten. Aunt May is like, eh. Doesn't Happy deserve a happy ending? I mean, he deserves his... This is a family-friendly show. Well, I'm just talking about a good relationship. Oh, okay. Although, I'm sure there was that going on, too. But I think somewhere, Happy needs to end up in a happily ever after sort of scenario. You might. I mean, we don't really know what's going to happen with the MCU going forward. We know they've said they want the next phase to focus on space. But they've also got some Earth-based heroes that they need to do things with, like Black Panther, like Spider-Man, like, I don't know, maybe Doctor Strange, though he doesn't have to be strictly Earth-based. They're, like, there's characters here that also have storylines that need to be served. So it'll be interesting to see how they meld those two ideas together that they have going forward. At the end, when they were at the end fight in London, and Happy was trying to 
uh, corral the kids. He his idea was okay. Let's fly the jet in. Let's get the kids on board the jet and let's get have the jet take off. He had no idea that there was weapons around there. If he did, I don't think he would have flown the jet in. But he had to get the kids to safety, and he decides to go into the crown jewels vault and and lock the door so that these things can't get in there. And then the kids, they're all like uh, telling their truths or whatever because they're about to die. You know, it's the thing that kids do right before they die. Oh, you know, I. I stole bananas from the whatever, you know, that sort of thing. I think that was, that was pretty cute. Yeah, it was fun. And, you know, happy. I love, I love Spider-Man's aunt. <laughs> and, and did you see happy throwing the shield right before he closed the door? <laughs> yes, that was hilarious. <laughs> I don't know how Cap does this. <laughs> uh, super soldier serum, that's how. Well, of course. And John Favreau definitely does not have super hero serum running through it. Okay, Ned, Ned was definitely in a different role this time around because he was the guy behind the chair, you know, behind the computer running things in the back. Mm -hmm. This time he's out, he's having the relationship with Betty, they're out and about. He has no way to help Peter other than cover for him, basically. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm okay with it because they're on the trip, but I think we need to see Ned in a more supportive role in the future. I think in general, we would have, except this movie we had, you know, we had Fury and we had Hill and we had Happy there as well to kind of be Peter's support team. That that didn't leave a lot for Ned to do. That's fair. I mean, when you're dealing with an actual organization that has resources, Ned has his computer and that's about it. Oh, okay. So now I can lead into the thing at the end. So S.H.I.E.L.D. got disbanded in Civil War. As far as we know, Fury hasn't had involvement with S.H.I.E.L.D. really since then. Uh, we've had Coulson running the secret underground S.H.I.E.L.D. in the TV universe, which now may be in a different universe than the, the cinematic universe based on everything we've read and what we've seen so far this season. But the Earth obviously needs some sort of organization to help protect it and organize its superheroes. And we know of another large organization that was used to help defend the earth and that's sword which was a space-based organization Uh. so at the end we see that fury spoilers was not the one on the ground on earth helping peter this whole time that was a scroll hill was a scroll fury is right now on board a spaceship that was i believe fully staffed by scrolls it looked to me like it was scrolls yeah and it looked also to me like nick was in charge Mm-hmm. Somebody I thought so too. Bring me my boots. Yep. So I'm wondering if what we're seeing is the beginnings of Sword, an organization that's going to help protect Earth from space-based threats. That would be that would make a lot of sense because now that you have the Guardians of the Galaxy involved in Earth, because they came to Earth, you have Captain Marvel in there as well. I could totally see Sword being part of it. And yeah, that would lead off of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. quite nicely. And that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. can have their own thing, and that S.W.O.R.D. could be the MCU stuff now. Yeah, good call. Yep, I have them every once in a while. Let's talk about Flash. We mentioned it a little bit before uh, about him being Venom or not being Venom, and then, then having to do that or not do that in this universe. Uh, but he was snapped, and now... His family is not there. That That is the beginnings of somebody with deep resentment. 
you could go the direction. Like, you could see how this Flash definitely becomes a villain. He's kind of an entitled D-bag, which, you know, we've seen all through kind of uh, the dark version of Peter in a way that I think previous uh, Flashes haven't been because you usually get, you know, the jock, the bully that torments Peter. This is a different kind of bully that is more similar in ability to what Peter is. Uh, So they could be an interesting Venom, but I don't know how much they want to repeat storylines that have been told so recently. But again, Venom would tie them in better with the more galactic nature of phase four going forward if they bring the symbiote in. So I could see how they could make it work. I don't know that it's the best choice just because we've had Venom stories told recently. Right. We'll see what Sony does with it and we'll see what Marvel okays them to do basically within the MCU. Because that might be another consideration too. Like Marvel might be going or Disney might be going to Sony and say, okay, this is how we want to use Spider-Man and we will help you out if we do this. And there could be pushing back saying, well, we have these IPs as well. We want to use them. And Marvel's like, well, it just doesn't fit in our grandiose plan where we are going to help you. We're going to do this, 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 and this. And so you should do this with your storylines. It will make you money. You should probably do it. So I don't know. I also, I I totally forgot because I didn't watch it, but they just had a Venom movie, which was, I believe, supposed to be in the same universe as Spider-Man. It was supposed to, but it wasn't linked and to the MCU. Right. And it wasn't even linked to Spider-Man, really. And I, I admit, I, I watched it when I was tired. I fell asleep. Uh, it was funny, more funny than I thought it was going to be, but it didn't really grab my attention. Probably just because I'm not a big Venom fan, really, when it comes down to it. Yep. Well, like I said, I haven't seen that one yet. But it, another reason not to do the Venom storyline in Spider-Man going forward because that movie just came out right let's talk about the teachers right so you got jb smooth there and you you got the teachers really being depicted terrible as, chaperones yeah as incompetent and i i don't know i mean i guess that made it funny I and mean, you're talking about people that wrote funny mo- movies like the lego batman movie and stuff so and community so i get what they're trying to do there but i think it i don't know i could you have done it with some competent chaperones? I mean, you could have, but I feel like every trip you've ever been on, like there's always those school trips where, you know, things weren't planned out the way they should have been. Someone forgot to call ahead. If you've got two chaperones, then one of them is definitely not paying attention at any point. Usually there's three and then one of them's not paying attention at all ever. And then one of them kind of bails out about halfway through. And then sometimes you have a nurse that's along or a doctor that's along too and stuff like oh, that. Oh, my school trips never had that. That's a new requirement now, by the way. Okay. Kids these days. Exactly. You mentioned a little bit about Nick Fury. Let's talk about him specifically because we find out that he's actually a scroll. I think that solved a lot of the plot holes with Nick Fury. Yeah. So uh, looking back, I, I need to watch it again. Obviously, I haven't had time, but uh, there was a line that looking back on it that doesn't really sound like something nick fury would say but works better if it's a scroll saying it and it's like something like do not invoke her name yes cap marvel do not invoke her name yeah yeah that was a little bit weird there but then when you think back and you're like oh well that wasn't fury that's why right and peter had actually fought with carol danvers 
Yeah. They were on the field. To, matter of fact, he gave the gauntlet to Carol Danvers on the battlefield. So they know each other from that perspective. They've met. They don't know each other super well. Well, true, but he's earned the right to say her name, especially after everything he did on the battlefield, too, because it wasn't as big as Captain Marvel, but he did a lot of damage out there and protection of the gauntlet. Colby Smothers, right? Mm-hmm. She played Maria Hill and it, again was Cree. It wasn't her. It was nice scroll. to see her. Uh, excuse me, scroll. It was nice to see her on the screen. Uh, she's got a new ABC series that's coming out too, which I think it's going to be finally nice to see her out there because I don't think anybody expected How I Met Your Mother to run 10 years, right? So she did that for 10 years and she went in to be Agent Hill, Maria Hill, and she stuck in that. We thought that she might be in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but she was never brought in. I don't know if that was her idea or if that was Marvel's idea or whatever. And it's nice to see her on a new series, but I don't know what her future is necessarily in the MCU now. I mean, if Nick Fury is starting a new organization, he needs a lieutenant. So it would be nice to see her in that role. Canonically, that has not been Hill's role. But Fury hasn't really had a major role with S.W.O.R.D. either. It's kind of been a separate organization that did its own thing. So who knows? They might use those characters to get that organization running as opposed to introducing us to more new characters if it's only going to be a supporting entity in other movies going forward and not be its own thing. I guess it'd be nice to have a handoff to what's her name? Brant? Agent Brant in S.W.O.R.D.? Brand in S.W.O.R.D.? I think it'd be nice to have a handoff between Hill and Brand. J. Jonah Jameson coming in and was it a mid-credit scene or was that just at the that end of the That was the mid-credit. Okay. What did you think of that when you saw that? I, I mean, why recast when you already had perfect casting? So I'm fine with bringing that forward. I love J. Jonah Jameson. It was perfect casting, right? And it's nice to see him back. Uh, what do you think of his new role, though? I think it makes sense. Like, you know, newspapers are a dying industry, so... Bring him into the digital age and let him have uh, uh, something that our protagonists are actually going to be involved in. Like, you don't see Peter Parker going out and being a picture man for a newspaper, but that he might be taking pictures for an online news source. That tracks. I think that his involvement with Spider-Man or superheroes in general, I think that has to get explained more in the next movie if he's going to be in the next movie. So I would like to see that and get his motivations, because right now we don't have any motivations. We just have him dropping a bombshell at the end of the movie. His city has been destroyed by superheroes like five times in the last 20 years. But we haven't seen him on either of the sides of that, so we don't well, know. Well, you can easily show that in a flashback like you did with the Vulture. Yeah. And what do you think about Peter being outed as Spider-Man? It's not an Iron Man moment. He didn't get to do it himself. Somebody else did it. Well, so I think that maybe makes sense if you're planning to bring the vulture back, because now it's not as big of a deal that the vulture knows his secret identity because everybody knows it. Can he still be a high school kid with everybody knowing he's Spider-Man? Well, then you also have like, is everybody going to believe that? Well, I mean, he is a small kid. It's not a, a big, he's not Thor, right? So I guess everybody would assume that he would be some kind of kid. Maybe, but I, I see it being one of those things where, like, 
you know, we're going to see Peter Parker and Spider-Man in the same place at the same time. And people are going to be like, oh, whatever, because somebody else is wearing the suit or it's a hologram or it's a robot that he uses Stark tech to create. Life model decoy. Yeah. So there's a I mean, if you look through comics, there's a lot of history of heroes being outed and then somehow uh, maintaining their secret identity. All right. We'll see if that happens. I could see Hawkeye coming in on that, too. Or Daredevil. You got anything else you want to talk about in the movie? I don't think so. I think that pretty much covers it. All right. We haven't done a ranking in a while. I said at the end of Endgame that we'd do a ranking. We just haven't oh. done it. So where, where would you put it? Like top third, bottom third, middle third? I, again, it's been a long time since I've watched a lot of those movies, and I haven't really thought about the ranking bit in a while. I think it's somewhere in the middle, though. Okay, so you didn't sequester yourself in a theater or a home theater or a living room or whatever for four days before Endgame. I wanted to rewatch them all <laughs> leading up to it. I just didn't have time. I know, it was a time thing for me, too. I got, like, halfway through. Uh, middle third, it, that's my initial take, because it, de- it definitely wasn't top tier. It wasn't, like, the best movie ever, right? And we can debate on different movies. Like, I think Iron Man, it should be in the top tier, but... You know, that's... Yeah, the first Iron Man, definitely. Right. So that's just me. But yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff there uh, of which movie should be where. But I definitely think that Iron Man, or this movie would be probably at the bottom end of the middle. I, I'm thinking just because I, I, I just think there's a lot of better movies out there. I mean, I think... I think Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 probably are above this. and. Like I said, we'll do a whole ranking at some point in time in the future. But yeah, like say, I said, it's been way too long since I saw so many of these movies for me to say anything more than the middle. Do you like it more or less than Homecoming? Um, I, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> okay. Well, listener, if you want to tell us how you like this movie and where you would place it in the, what is it, 22 or 23 movies now in the MCU, let us know. We would love to hear from you. And uh, Haley, I actually, for the first time ever in an MCU movie, I walked in late and I still saw, I still saw 10 minutes of trailers, right? I came in the movie 15 minutes late. I still saw 10 minutes of trailers. Were there any trailers that you saw that you were like, huh, this is pretty cool. Don't remember the trailers at all. (laughs) I went to draft house though. And before the movies, uh, especially these big ones like this, they'll have like other stuff beforehand so they did like a thing about all the iterations of spider-man that we've seen on the screen since like the 60s so that was really really cool yeah i honestly don't remember a single trailer so okay i I walked in and they were doing another um fast and furious what is that hobbs and whatever i don't think i saw that one okay i know which one you're talking about but i didn't see it the one with the rock and jason statham right and there's a few others in there too, but uh, it, nothing really caught my attention because I, I was, I was uh, running late basically, and a uh, lot happened to me this past week. So I'm just glad I actually got to see the movie. So again, listener, let us know what you thought of the movie. We'll talk about it in the future, and I'm sure we'll hear from both Agent Lauren and Agent Michelle how they thought of the movie as well. So. Uh, also, Haley, you haven't been on the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the last week. Did uh, Anything uh-huh. that you want to say about the two-parter? I didn't see it yet. 
<gasps> I was camping all weekend. So, oh well, you've got a a great episode in store for you. We really gushed over it. A lot of people are saying it's one of the better mo- uh, episodes. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. All right, so we'll talk about that next week and the next episode of Agents of Shield next week as well. In the meantime, we're just going to go ahead and use an illusion and get this one right out. Just want to thank everybody for sticking with us throughout all the MC movies and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And for those of you that are interested, we'll be covering Legion after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. gets off. So thank you very much for staying subscribed or thank you very much for our new subscribers to stay with us this whole time. Uh, Yeah, thank you to everybody that joined us for this very special episode of Agents, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's the name of this podcast. And uh, we hope you'll come back for your regularly scheduled programming this weekend. That's right. The next Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. So until then, I'm Director SP. And I'm Agent Haley. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. How's your day? Yeah. Well, it's, at least it's not Monday. It was Tuesday. Oh, yesterday was like a super Monday. Yeah. It was bad for me because I had come back from like 10 days off and yeah, didn't want to be there. Everybody knew it. So they gave me space. We went camping this weekend and uh, on top of the camping, we climbed a mountain. So by yesterday, I was pretty exhausted and looking forward to a day off, but it was Monday, so I had to go back to work instead. That's right. Oh, well. When's your next vacation vacation? September. Oh. So at least you get Labor Day in there, right? You get that day off? Oh, yeah. Okay. But I think we're going to climb a mountain. <laughs> You've done a lot of mountain climbing. Do you like climbing mountains? Yes. It's just, it would be nice to have, like, more time to relax after climbing said mountain. Ah. Uh. We're doing this thing called Six Pack of Peaks, where we have six mountains to climb yeah. in six months. And uh, so, yeah, that's what we're doing. How tall are the mountains? Pretty tall. These ones are all up in Flagstaff and Sedona. So it's like 2,500 feet of elevation gain or more on all of them. But you're already starting at pretty high elevation. Okay. So it's kind of rough. So a little bit of oxygen deprivation going on, too? A little bit. Okay. Well, congratulations. Welcome to high living. Yeah. I used to live in Colorado. I mean, I, I get uh-huh. it. So, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. When, Spider-Man. when did you see the movie? Last week on Wednesday. Okay. Oh, okay.
like the day before the 4th of July. No, it was the week after. Yeah. So uh, after the 4th of July, I had my car shot up and literally shot up, shot up. And I had um, an emergency drainage repair. So I was digging for four days by hand. Uh, this was all at the like lake place. Oh, yeah, it was loads of fun. It's exactly what I wanted to do with four days of vacation. Dig mm-hmm. big holes in the yard. Yay. So I didn't get to see Spider-Man until Saturday. Or Sunday. Sunday. You have Kitty. I do. I closed the door so the AC wouldn't be as loud. And she wanted in. But now the door's closed, so she wants out. But she's lying, because as soon as I close the door, she's going to want back in. Mm. She just wants open door. Yeah. Okay. She wants to come and go as she pleases, but she'll find a spot and go to sleep. Broadcast has been successfully terminated. Like Spider-Man terminated Mysterio. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2019.